Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Hooligan Report. We're back underway at the EPL, week one done and dusted, and joining me again this week I have Cookson along. Hey all, how's it been? And we also have NUFC Tiger back along. G'day guys. We'll jump right into it guys, it's been a pretty exciting weekend of football to get back underway, uh, and we'll get your thoughts first Cookson, um, just in general on, on how you thought the weekend was. Started out shit, I'd say, <laughs> and proceeded to just be just proceeded to be really quite, well, quite normal. You know, close games, teams are still feeling it. You know, getting ready for a long season. Then, but then we'll also see drunk people too, which is also quite funny. Gotta love a good drunk uh, spectator running onto the pitch and doing a pretty decent free kick. Wasn't too bad. <laughs> Sign him up. He's good enough for us. Probably good enough for a Premier League team. Did better than Ericsson at any rate. Uh, and, and NUFC, how'd you find the weekend? Um, I mean, I, oh, I feel a bit bad. You guys both suffered losses to start off with, but how'd you find it? Yeah, um, it's, I guess, uh, good to have the season back up and running. Um, sort of feels like it's been a while, but, uh, hopefully we'll get back into the swing of things. Um, yeah, from a personal perspective, it probably wasn't the best start for us with, um, uh, I guess a loss against Man City, but, um, you know, I thought we showed a, a bit of promise and, um, a lot of the new signings had a bit of, uh, Good debuts, I would say. So, um, yeah, I tell you what, that, that Cabela, I mean, I, I like the look of him pre-season and he's really carried on with it. He, he looks very good, very tight. Yeah, he certainly doesn't lack any, uh, confidence on the ball and, um, he's always willing to try a few, um, things that you don't see every day. So, uh, he looks like he could be one that gets the fans quite excited. So, um, we need to see how he goes. Absolutely. Well, we might look at the uh, the first game we're going to have a little bit of a chat about first, and that was uh, United's loss to Swansea 2-1. Uh, Moyes, at least, was able to start the season with a win, Cookson. So how do you how do you see the start of the season? Oh, it was shit, to be honest. I mean... <laughs> I did. I was, if I could have, I was really tempted to play that clip from you last week, saying that you hoped United would at least cheer you up after the Saints got smashed by the Swans. And I do feel a little sorry that you know you lost in both of those matches. So the Swans undid you in both cases. Ah, uh, but I didn't watch one of them. I was too busy watching their bosses. Good concert. You missed Buddy almost kicking his ten goals, but the discussion for another time, I suppose. Yeah. So, so how did you find the match? Well, let's. What well, we started out quite well was just. It was the same issues a lot. It looked very like Van Hal needs to get the Moyes out of the team. Like he needs to beat the crap out of every one of those players, or at least show his balls or something. Just <laughs> shock. Wouldn't, be, wouldn't I mean, be the first time. Yeah. It just looked slow. It looked labored. We honestly missed Danny Welbeck. I mean, don't underestimate what he brings. He brings pace. He brings power. Quite a difference compared to Rooney and Matter, who, let's be frank, are not the tallest or strongest of people. But yeah, it just. Oh, no, I just reckon we lost, we didn't have, we did not look solid at the back at all. I mean, honestly, it was about as leaky as an old man's, well, <laughs> leaky as an old man's happy, to be honest. Um, but yeah. Yeah, just, so, so you, you, you think it was the defense that let you on, uh, that undid you? Was that the yeah, main thing? Yeah. Defense, I mean, you just look, I mean, first goal, I mean, defense and probably Darren Fletcher, I mean, Darren Fletcher was not good at his man marking. The Swansea attacking midfielders and defense was just all over the shop because we had, a, we didn't start out with an actual right back. I mean, our right back was Jesse Lingard, who's a winger. Then we put on Abnan Yanazai, who's a winger because we had no Raphael and I don't think Valencia was on the bench. And pretty much then the second goal, I mean, Tyler Blackett, who I thought was pretty good. I mean, 
You saw him in the first half, I think, just yelling and screaming at players, which was very good on his first team debut, but he gave the ball back far too quickly, which is probably something you need to learn at the higher level. So that's just kind of youthful inexperience. I can handle that. But, yeah, it's just, I mean, honestly, it's just, our midfield is shit. I mean, I'd probably make a case for a midfield for every other Premier League team to walk up and start. I mean, that's no joke. I mean, we've signed Rojo, Rojo. I was going to ask about that because he's obviously going to take a spot. Is it, is it at left back that he plays? He plays, well, he can, he's mainly a centre back, but he can okay. play left back. So it's there for both, which is very good. Yeah. He's probably yeah, gonna he, start. Plays, he plays left back for Argentina, doesn't he? That's what I was yeah. thinking of, yeah. yeah. But yeah, he's probably going to start. I mean, he's fairly decent. And, well, I've brought up some numbers. All right, this is taking into account roughly the last five years or so. Pretty much, Manchester City and Chelsea have spent nearly double what we have or thereabouts. I mean, that's not competitive at all. And here's the real kicker for you. Do you, want to, do you want to guess how much money Manchester United have spent on bank checks and interest for being taken over? Oh, I'd have no idea. Just pick a number. Yeah, it's going to be a big one, isn't it? Yep. Uh, I don't know, 50 million? No. No? 700 million pounds. Oh, shit. What? I'll reiterate that point. 700 million. I mean, And that's being spent on what? On some interest and bank charges are being taken over by the Glazers. Right. Oh, so that's your debt payments. Yeah. I mean, wow. That could be used. I mean, that's probably enough to buy out Real Madrid's first team at least twice over. Yeah. I, I mean, mean it's, just... it's 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 funny when you see like that that sort of impact that the debt can have, and you look at a club like Leicester where their owners just came in and wiped the debt clean, and it, the 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 impact that can have for a club where you just eliminate that debt, as you say, it's just so costly. Yeah. I mean, we have the revenue coming in. It's just, it's not... Pretty much how I see it is the Glazers and Woodward are sitting on this giant pile of money, which is like sugar, <laughs> and we have other clubs being ants walking up saying, oh, can we have some of that? We'll give you this. And they're going, no. <laughs> I mean, what good is that money there if we're not going to spend it? you sound sounding like an sake. Arsenal fan, Cookson. <laughs> yes, but we have we have the money. In. We should be spending it. I mean, we're one of the biggest clubs in the world, and we're just sitting on our asses, twiddling our thumbs, saying, "Yeah, no, no value. It's a bit expensive, you know. Don't want to pay an extra. Like if we paid an extra five million pounds, we'd have Eden Hazard." Yeah. Well, it's a bit well, like five, Liverpool. Yeah. You haggle over a couple of million, and it's like, a, 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 in, in the scheme of things, the size of the club you are, is it really worth haggling over a few million if you're going to get a quality player like that? Yeah. It just, it's not worth it. I mean, honestly, that's the difference between City, Chelsea, Madrid, and Barca. They find a player, they'll just write a blank check, they fill it in, and he's ours. Did you catch yeah. the match in UFC? Uh, no, I did see some of the highlights. Um, I think. The best one was probably Ashley Young's, uh. Which apparently was a hoax. Apparently it didn't actually land in his mouth. I it's, did see that. The that. scandal that's broken today was that the bird didn't actually shit in his mouth. It's ruined the weekend. It's ruined, there was nothing else good about that weekend and now that's been taken away from us. I don't even So that's actually been completely debunked? Yeah, well apparently, uh, I don't know, apparently oh, it's, um, it just looked like there was bird shit in his mouth because he had spit in his mouth or something, which, to be fair, I was, I'm not surprised by it because he didn't seem to react too much when, the, when it happened. That's what I thought when I saw it, he didn't seem to, uh, didn't seem to be too bothered. 
So yeah, I, mean, I don't know what he does in his you, spare time. Maybe he's used to it, but I don't know. But if you had bird crap on your mouth, you'd be rolling around on the floor. Yes, yeah, spewing up or something. Yeah, you'd have asked to be subbed. I'm, like, I'm going stop this shit. Um, one final thing I wanted to say on the United match. It's another humorous note. I don't know if either of you caught the little kid who was asked for his comments after the match. Who said, "Nanny, there was a spare seat next to me and my dad. Nanny should have been sat up there for as much use as he gave the team." And I thought. As a as a six or seven year old or however old he was, he's geez, he's got a future in punditry with comments like that. Um, Nanny, yeah, nah. Well, Nanny's off on on his way off, isn't he now? For in the swamp. Yep, he's off Yeah, Lisbon. Um, yeah, so I suppose that's an interesting start of the season for United. But we'll move on to um, the next match I wanted to chat about quickly was the Spurs West Ham game. Only only in the sense that it also links into the the whole game that I want to talk about in terms of the penalty <coughs> and setting off for the handball. I don't know if you guys have seen the incident um, where it's an obvious penalty, I would say, because the players got his arms raised in the air, almost smothering the ball. Um, but I thought the red card in addition to the penalty, was a little bit harsh. And I think it's a trend we're starting to see where handballs are sort of dealt with quite harshly by refs, um, who kind of uh, jumped the gun, I suppose, a little bit on on how to deal with them. Um, did you? Did either of you see the incident? Do you have any, any thoughts on oh, it? That was a Carl Norton red card. It was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, I thought it probably was a penalty. Um, I think it was a Nolan shot that it sort of looked like it was going to go towards goal, but... Um, he had his arms up, but I thought the red was a bit harsh. It seemed one of those uh, ones where, I mean, yeah, his hands are raised, so you have to give the penalty because it's an unnatural position, but the pace of the shot, and, and you can't say it was intentional, I don't think, is perhaps how I would say it. So you yeah. give the penalty, but maybe you don't give the red, or you give, I don't, I, it's, it's a hard one, I suppose. I think maybe it? yellow, possibly. Yeah. The, I mean, the penalty shots to replace the original missed shot, well, so... Exactly. And, and it's almost Probably, a double yeah. penalty in the end. You know, you're giving the yeah. red and you say, and you're giving the penalty and the red. So you're giving them basically a certain goal and you're reducing them by a player. It's it's quite a harsh penalty. I mean, probably yeah, should be yellow. I mean, if it's unless it's really blatant, they should probably try to avoid giving red cards. Yeah, and I mean, we say it was an almost certain goal, and then he goes off and fluffs the penalty anyway. So yeah. <laughs> let's let Spurs off a little bit there, and of course they then go on and win the game after after the Hammers suffer a red card as well. Um, yeah, certainly. So it was, a, it was an interesting game, I suppose, and as we've already touched on, of course, highlighted as well by the uh, the field the, the spectator who decided to take he'd had enough enough enough's enough. He's seen Ericsson's free kicks flying every which way, so he decides to take it on matters into his own hand and, and try one himself. Well, didn't give a too bad an effort for himself. Yeah, he should have got man. He didn't he? Sign him up now, I reckon. <laughs> what I found best though is you look at the ball, you just see them standing there, you see them casually moving their heads as went following the ball. Yeah, just going, oh shit. It's a tiny thing to find. I guess. Uh, the, the next game I wanted to, to touch on, uh, for one of our fellow mods is the, the Leicester and Everton game, um, which I thought was actually one of the more exciting games for the weekend, which I was keeping an eye on because I was out at the, the star casino. So I had all the games up on the screen. So I was keeping an eye on it while I was watching my boys play. And um, Chris Wood scoring the late equaliser I thought was really exciting and really good for him as a Kiwi lad. Um, making his Premier League debut, I'd only assume. I mean, I know he was with West Brom for a little bit, but I assume making his Premier League debut. And they didn't look out of place in the Premier League, I must say. For them to... Yes, I think um, what I read up, the Leicester fans were very excited to obviously be back in the Premier League and they sort of created a lot of... Uh, noise and excitement for um, what we saw with the Palace uh, last year. So 
um, certainly for their fans. I think getting that draw, um, and I think it was a fairly late equaliser too uh, that Wood scored. So um, yeah, I think he got it right towards the end. It was one of those yeah. late goals that we got on the weekend. So I think he came off the bench. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, it certainly would have sent the home crowd into a you know delirium, and uh, I'm sure they all went home happy. Maybe not even expecting to get a draw. Well, I think game. the important thing for Leicester is because they've got such a hard start to the season that that yeah, point will really sort of boost their morale, I suppose. They've got games against Chelsea and, and I think Arsenal and that sort of team coming up. Ooh, that's going to be a fun couple of weeks. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how they go. I mean, it's one of those things where they'll start without much momentum, which will make it a bit tough for them because uh, presum- presumably they won't get a win for the first maybe month or so. Uh, and it'll be a bit tough, but I think the point against Evan will at least kind of get them going in, one, in some sort of sense. Yeah, well, they sh- should hopefully take from the game that, you know, they can match it with some of the stronger teams in the, the division. And um, if they sort of play with the same unity, they might be able to... Uh, you know, pick up a few more surprise results along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next game I want to talk about is is Hull's game against QPR, and there's one point. We've talked about the, the handball red card in the Spurs game, but I do want to bring to light, I don't know if you guys have seen it, the, the handball that was given against Hull late in the game against QPR, against Chester, was no joke one of the worst decisions I've ever seen in a, in a professional football match. Chester brings his arms behind his back, as, as you generally do when you're standing in the box not wanting to give away a handball. He has his arms by his side. The player crosses the ball from outside the box and he's about a metre or two away from Chester and it, pre- it smashes him probably in the chest, you know, in that beneath the shoulder sort of thing in the armpit. Ref points to the spot to give the penalty. I don't understand what he expects Chester to do in that situation to not to to get out of the way because presumably he thinks Chester's somehow stuck an arm out or something which he hasn't done. Um, and I won't be surprised if he's refing a championship max, match next week because thankfully McGregor saved us and saved the penalty. Uh, but it was one of the most awful decisions I've actually seen. I think. Um, yeah, just wait. Just wait. I've got perfect music for this. We're in the twilight zone, aren't we? We're in the twilight zone. Uh, yes, Steve Bruce had up to it. Big conspiracy theory right there. Big conspiracy. Well, we had it happen against uh, Spurs last season, so you know we've, there are some City supporters who are coming out saying it's the London bias because uh, it's pretty ridiculous, and I think Bruce is, is quite rightly quite pissed off at that. Um, so we'll see how that goes in the coming weeks. The one, the one good thing out of it, as some people have said, is you get a few bad decisions against you each season, and that should hopefully be one of them out of the way, and we didn't lose any points out of it, so it's not too bad. But um, the, oh, the only other thing I want to take out of that match is unfor- the unfortunate news today that uh, Robert Snodgrass is out for six months with a dislocated oh. kneecap. Um, which is really unfortunate for him. As a new signing at, the new, at a new club, you, of course you want to get underway pretty well, and unfortunately it's not going to be the case for him, and we'll probably see him back March or April just for the run-in at the end of the season. Was that an injury picked up in the game? It, uh, was, it was. He, after about 30 minutes, was in a tackle with uh, <laughs> Joey Barton, of all people. Joey Barton, <laughs> not to blame at all. It was it was really innocuous. but um, And Joey Barton actually, quite rightly, uh, one of the first tweets he sent after the match was wishing Snodgrass all the best and hoping it wasn't too bad. But it's just one of those unfortunate ones. It was very innocuous. He just twisted his his knee in the challenge, and uh, yeah, not not the greatest not the greatest news uh, for City fans. He cost us about eight million as well, so that's not you don't want to see that sort of thing happen to one of your big signings. Yeah, not ideal for sure. Um, yeah. Next game is the the late game from Saturday, which was Arsenal just getting over Crystal Palace. Now this surprised me a little bit because I thought with Pulis 
leaving Palace that they'd be ripe for a big Arsenal win, but it took until the 91st minute for a Ramsey winner to get Arsenal over the line. Yeah, um, I didn't see that game. Um, one of my Arsenal mates reckons they played a relatively weakened team because um, they had an eye on the Champions League qualifiers that I think yeah. they drew this morning. Yeah, uh, this morning. Yes, I'm not sure if that's necessarily the case or not, but um, yeah, they certainly left it late to uh, get the three points. Um, and it was, it was obviously surprising because Palace actually took the lead in that one. Um, I know yeah. I noticed uh, Sonogo starting in place of Giroud and that sort of thing. So, as you say, probably a weakened lineup and going one 0 down. Wenger probably would have had flashbacks to the Villa result last season. And it didn't really work out again, considering they just drew an investigas. So. Well, exactly. I mean, they rested their players for a nil nil draw, where um, Denver Bar almost opened the scoring in the first yeah. five seconds or something like that. It was a pretty audacious attempt from the <laughs> kickoff. Um, <laughs> Pretty impressive. Would have been a great goal, that's for sure. Um, um, yeah, do we have any other any other thoughts on the Arsenal game? I mean, I'm trying to think who, who would have started. I mean, Sanchez played for them, obviously. He got the assist for the first goal. Um, yeah, any, any any thoughts from you guys? I think Crystal Palace probably surprised a few people with, um, you know, even taking the lead. Uh, I thought maybe everyone was expecting maybe a bit of a cricket score, but... Um, that was solid. Yeah, they seemed to keep together and... Um, they certainly didn't embarrass themselves. So, um, and I think they just got a new manager, I believe. Uh, Malky McGuire? Was, was it Malky McGuire who's going to go in? Yeah, well, I don't know if it's been confirmed, but um, I think he would look pretty close to being named, I think. So, um, which is interesting because there was some late running from um, Tim Sherwood, which would have been interesting. Yeah. But um, oh, there's a it's probably a good thing considering Sherwood's well. He, He's a nut job, let's put it that way. <laughs> he had a, he had a pretty decent a, record with Spurs, to be honest. Yeah, but his presses were like... Yeah. He was having a, making Mick Malthouse look normal. <laughs> Not yeah, that's, that's probably never a good thing, is it? But it, it's interesting, because I wonder whether um, Pulis might have had them pretty well drilled for the Arsenal game, and so we still saw, still might have seen the effects of the Pulis team mentality against Arsenal, um, but whether or not they can kind of maintain that in his absence, or whether or not Malky Mackay can sort of... Because the thing is that Malky Mackay seems a very different sort of manager to Pulis. I mean, very different style of football. So uh, much more open, much more free-flowing and attacking from, yeah. from what, I, what, I, what I believe he played with uh, Cardiff early last season. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he can turn the squad around to his style of football quite quickly. I mean, yeah, you never know. I mean, I mean, the best man managers do change quite a lot, so he probably could be very relaxed about it. He probably will go more defensive than what he did at Cardiff, I'd yeah. say. He'd, le- he'd probably, probably learn from his mistakes, you'd expect. And yeah, I think you might. A great um, chance for him to redeem himself as well after what happened with yeah. the fallout with Cardiff. It's certainly, um, I guess for him, he's probably got maybe a point to prove that um, he belongs as a Premier League manager, so it's a it's a good chance for him to, I guess, seize that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next game to talk about is uh, Liverpool's win over the Liverpool Reserves, or the, the Southampton A's against the Southampton B's, whichever way you want to look at it. Uh, just getting over the line 2-1 in the end. And I want to make special note of 12.5 million pound man Shane Long's glorious header just went wide in the closing minutes of the game to deny Southampton a draw. And, boys, that's what you pay for with your $12.5 million. We'll, put th- we'll take that check to the bank every day of the week. Thanks very much. <laughs> Meanwhile, United paid $16 million for an Argentinian World Cup defender. English. <laughs> it does wonders for you. Oh, it does. It's brilliant. Uh, how did you guys see the game? I mean, I reckon Sterling, Sturridge, Henderson, take your pick. They're all... 
they all had pretty impressive games, I think. Yeah, probably just, like, you look at Sturridge, he's in pretty good form, and Nick right now, I think he's got, like, 37 goals or thereabouts in, like, last 55 matches. Something like that. Give or yeah, take. Sounds about right. Yeah, something like that. When Sterling's continued on what he did last year. Sterling's very impressive. I mean, there was talk that he's sort of now being played more as a striker, and at, what is he, 20? You don't really see it because he's such a small player, but he looked pretty good. Yep, I mean, but, yeah, I mean, did Glenn Johnson play? He did, and he did not look great. And I think it was basically his final game because they've just signed, is it Moreno? Yeah. So oh, he'll, be, okay. he'll be starting in I mean, that, Glenn Johnson from now on, you'd think. I mean, that's, I mean that drunk guy in the Tottenham game is probably <laughs> better job than Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Glenn, yeah. Uh, well, the, uh, the other point was, uh, Henderson with a glorious assist for, um, the opener for Sterling. Um, I'm sure Liverpool fans would be loath if I didn't mention that one. It was one of the assists of the round, I think, but I don't think you can take away from Fabregas for the assist of the round, which, uh, we'll, we'll talk about now is Chelsea's game against Burnley. Um, Fabregas, I mean, he, Fabregas basically stole the show, I think, and picked up where he'd left off with Arsenal in terms of bossing the Premier League, really. Uh, how did you see his and, and Costa's debuts for Chelsea, guys? Very, very good. I mean, Chelsea are probably the favourites of the league right now as we speak. I mean, they've improved. I mean, they probably could use another striker as a reserve because, I mean, outside of Costa, yeah, it's Fernando Torres. <laughs> Again, the Tottenham bloke could probably do better than Torres. <laughs> there was some yeah. stat about the amount of minutes it took Torres to score his first Chelsea goal, and it was uh, something ridiculous. It was well into the hundreds, if not thousands, and uh, Costa comes along and does it after 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, Costa remains fit, Chelsea win the league. Yeah. It's that simple. I mean, Courtois... so impressive. Yeah. I mean, Courtois is the number one. That's obvious. they got a solid defence... Midfield's incredibly deep. I mean, I've mean, got a Hazard, who'll probably be the best player in the league. This is probably the best player in the league, let's be honest. I mean, I mean, Chelsea look very impressive. and But there's something that seems odd about Jose. Like, that's just my opinion for it. Odd in what sense? He just... It's not the Jose we're used to seeing. You know, in the past, I was a bit more snarky. Now yeah. he's just... He's just not even... He's just going for... Sarcasm, wherever, and he's just baiting everyone. Oh, it's, I mean, it's the arrogance. He, he, I reckon it's because, yeah, you're right, they're favourites for the league, and he's just sitting there going, you know, laugh it up, boys, bring it on. I reckon between, like, this is my theory behind what happened to Jose. I mean, the Real Madrid job broke him. Yeah. I mean, he'll never admit to that, but yeah, that place is a legitimate circus. And two, I reckon he's disappointed that he didn't succeed Fergie at United. I, yeah, I mean, that was obviously a big rumour at the time that he was going to step in and take over from Fergie. Um, and so, what, so you, because it was never really, I guess, it was never really proven whether yeah. United chose Moyes or Mourinho kind of chose Chelsea, I suppose. But So you reckon it was... I reckon, that's, I reckon that's where Mourinho's changed from his past, where he was a bit, where it was a lot more funnier and it was kind of original, kind of fresh. Arrogant, but not too arrogant. Now he's just, I really don't give a shit. Yeah. I'm just here. Give me my paycheck. I'll win you a game. Yeah. I reckon he's changed. And they've got uh, Leicester next week, don't they? So that'll be an interesting one. <laughs> At the bridge, poor Leicester, I suppose. Yeah, big challenge for Jets, boys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the last game, of course, uh, last but not least, was Man City's 2-0 win over Newcastle. We touched on it early in the piece. Um, the new boys looked pretty impressive for Newcastle. And I think in the end, 2-0... 
you know, you might have gone pushed for a draw, but 2-0 in the end isn't too bad a result. Yeah, yeah well, certainly. Um, oh, sorry. NUFC, I ranted about United. Uh, SM ranted about the referees. Now, you have to rant about something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about Sunderland's above you on the table? How's that feel? Yeah, well, that's uh, lucky, to be honest. Everyone's above us on the table. We're actually <laughs> last <That's true>. <laughs> Um it's not too bad. Like uh, we pinched Cole back, and he had a really good game um, against Man City. Um, so he certainly looks like he'll be a um, great, great signing for us. Um, we've already started nicknaming him the uh, Ginger Perlo, so uh, <laughs> might see him into the England squad one day. Um, but so yeah, certainly uh, we've got a lot of. Sorry, oh, sorry. <laughs> that was just a joke. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I... To be honest, I did expect to lose the City game. Um, uh, we actually played City first game up um, last season and lost 4-0, so to have the losing margin is an improvement of sorts. So um, We had quite a lot of debutants as well. So You think they'll only get the, better as they gel? Yeah, I mean, I think they showed a lot of promise, but um, for a lot of them it was like you know their first games in the Premier League, so uh, like Jen Marta, who's our replacement for Debussy at right back, um, I think he got caught out a few times in defence. Um, but you know, as he adjusts to the pace and the tempo of the Premier League, uh, hopefully he'll become a bit more uh, defensively sound. Um, and we touched on Cabela before. Um, I think he's quite slightly built, but uh, he's got very quick feet, great ball control, um, and he also looks like he has a bit of that uh, Kabai magic. That, I was about to say, he reminds me a little bit of Kabai. Yeah, he played quite a few nice passes, and um, I think in France they say he was um, sort of like the next Kabai, so it's almost like, in that sense, it's almost like a like-for-like replacement, which would certainly be good if it can turn out to be true for us. But um, I guess, yeah, the frustrating thing was we sort of had a few chances late on to nab that equaliser, but um, City's... You know, their quality sort of came to the fore uh, when it counted and um, Aguero's finish um, really was a very good goal. And um, as a neutral, I hope to see Aguero play, uh, well, at least they fit, because when he's on song, he'll, I think he'd give City the edge in the um, title race if he can stay on the park. Well, that's the other thing I wanted to touch on is Aguero coming off the bench and scoring, which is a great sign for City fans. Um, as you say, if he stays fit, it really could make or break their title chances in a way. Um, he's, he's quite an important part of that side, I would say. And, and Silva's goal as well was very well taken. So you've gone down yeah. to two pretty impressive goals. So um, not not the end of the world, I would suspect, as a, as a Toon fan. No, certainly not. Um, we've got uh, Villa this weekend who picked up a pretty impressive win at uh, Stoke. Um, so no disrespect to Villa, but I think they are more... Uh, Realistic chance for us to beat in uh, Man City, so yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, so uh, and like even just touching back on another one of our signings, uh, Riviere, who is our striker, um, he's used to playing in front of like six thousand players, uh, fans at Monaco. So you know, playing in front of the Pax and James is um, you know fifty odd thousand noisy uh, fans. It's probably a bit of a bit a shock for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, once they sort of get that first game out of the way. Um, and, you know, he doesn't have Vincent Company breathing down his neck, he might um, be able to find a, a bit more 
composure, I guess, against Villa. But um, you know, we certainly an interesting game. So we can take um, take that sort of good form in a losing effort to getting the three points on this coming weekend. Well, absolutely. Um, we might move on and just. I wanted to talk about the three-five-two system as our topic for the week. We'll try and touch on a new topic each week as as they appear to be relevant from the weekend's games. But I wanted to talk about the three-five-two. I think it ties in quite well with um, Cookson with United's loss on the weekend, but it also was the battle of the three-five-twos in the Hull QPR game. So I wanted to get your thoughts. Um, either we'll go Cookson first, and then if you have any NUFC um, about the three-five-two system and its place. It's kind of coming back into vogue, I suppose. Yeah, it's well, it's Louis Van Gaal's system that he now uses out of his traditional four-three-three, because as we know, of the Netherlands, they did not have Kevin Strootman, which necessitated extra re- extra reinforcements for defence and le- and lack and one less winger, so shift another winger up front, and he's doing it for us because his opinion is that we don't have the defenders to play a four-three-three. Or we don't have the wingers and defenders, so we probably do need it. I mean, it doesn't help our cause when Raphael and Luke Shaw are out, because they'll undisputedly be the two wingbacks. Yeah. But it's probably also defensive midfield, too. It needs to be solid, needs to be compact. I mean, you need to have some sort of pace in it. So you need to have kind of a... You need to have the playmaking, the deeper forward who acts as a link between the number 10 and the faster forward who needs to hold the ball well and be creative with it, like Robin, Welbeck, etc., etc. So, yeah, I reckon it works if you have the cattle, but if you miss lose one player in that system, it just goes to complete shit. I mean, we had the 4-2-3-1, which worked much better for us than our 3-5-2, which worked incredibly well in preseason. But because we lacked the fullbacks, it just not failed miserably for us. Yeah, I'm not sure if you saw the comments. Um, Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville had a discussion on um, Sky Sports uh, following the United game about the 3-5-2 system, um, where they had a bit of a dispute about the necessity for specialised wing-backs as opposed to full-backs. Um, do you have any sort of opinion on that? I mean, as you just said, you kind of need those no, need those specialised players, and I think it was Carragher who was saying that the modern fullback can play that wing-back role quite easily. Um, and I'd probably lean towards Gary Neville's side of the fence, which I think is also your side of the fence, which is that, no, you do actually need those specialised sort of players. I reckon it depends on the fullbacks you have, really. I mean, someone like Raphael could... If they have a bit of issues in defending, they probably could go forward a bit more. But, like, our fullbacks are relatively solid. I mean, Raphael is quite solid as a defender, and so is Luke Shaw... I mean, Raphael occasionally has issues with positioning and whatnot, but he's still very solid. But, again, it really does depend on the fullbacks you have. I mean, Luke yeah. Shaw did not look the world's best at wingback because he's a more natural defender yeah. compared to Reese James, who during preseason was the wingback and looked fantastic. So it's kind of half and half. It depends on player from player. I, I completely agree. I mean, for Hull... Someone like Ahmed El Mohamedi looks brilliant at right wing back because he has the pace to get up the wings and to whip the crosses in, and he's got the the defensive ability to drop back and defend when needed. But at right back, when he's when we're playing in a four four two system, early last season he was a liability at right back, and there can't be that like 
he it can't have been the fact that it was just him on the day having a bad game because there was such a difference when he had that cover from that third centre back who was playing on the right of defence in the in the three five two system as opposed to when he was the right back. You just I think as you say it depends on the player, but the three five two system offers that extra defensive security for the wingbacks to allow them to press up further forward when needed without the fear that they'll be exposed too much on the counter. Yeah, and you also have the defensive midfielder too, who also helps out so pretty much. Because that was the, what, that was the yeah. point raised on the board about how Swansea undid you guys was that you didn't have the strong defensive midfielder to to link with the defence, and that their system with one up front actually was able to to pull apart the three five two system for you guys. And I suppose Herrera would be that defensive player, or or, uh, would, or, or would it be um, Carrick? It's well, Fletcher was Sorry, defensive Fletcher, midfielder Carrick. playing, but. Again, it was caught out ball-watching far too many times. Her, like, how Van Hal sees it is he assigns a number to every player, so it's like one, two, three, four, you know, on. He sees the midfielders made out of three players, the six, eight, and ten. Number six is a defensive one where I reckon we need to sign a midfielder and where we probably would expect, hopefully, the next midfield signing to be, whether it be Vidal, Lucas Silva, Cavallo, or anyone. Uh, number eight is what Herrera was brought to be. He was pretty much done box to box where he has to be, has to support matter, but it has to be good enough to defend and be very flexible, suddenly turn the 3 5 2 into a 5 yeah. 2 1 2. So yeah, it depends on which players you have. I mean, I want pretty much Herrera's box to box though. He's not our defensive midfielder. Yeah. Um, NUFC, did you have any, any thoughts on the system? I mean, uh, did you see either of the two matches that we've been just having a quick chat about? Um, I didn't see either of the matches. Um, I did have a quick look at um, Gary Neville and um, Cam Carragher's uh, their little discussion on the uh, specialised fullbacks versus uh, wingbacks, and I sort of agree with both of you that um, in a three-five-two system, you probably want um, specialist wing backs rather than trying to throw a full back into that position and adapting them to the system. Um, I think really the big thing is you've got your wing backs need to be able to, um, well, they're your widest players, so they're going to be providing a lot of the, uh, width in attack, but they also need to have the same, uh, I suppose that high work rate and the same, a very strong or uh, equally strong defensive, uh, mindset to, drop back and help the defenders because um, if the centre-backs um, are outnumbered and you've only got, I think, a one defensive mid who's screening them, um, yeah. potentially it opens you up quite easily on a counter-attack. So, um, and I think a wing-back, you really need to have good stamina and um, fitness as well because I think Gary Neville might have touched on saying that he found it horrendous playing as a, um, a wing-back because he just... He couldn't cope with running up and down the wings uh, for 90 minutes. So, well, that's it, like um, you say, because otherwise you get exposed on the on the counter. If the wing backs aren't prepared to drop back and very quickly turn it into a five man defence, then yeah, as you say, you get opened up quite easily. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think if you don't, uh, usually you don't look to I suppose sub your wing backs or your full backs during a game. You expect they can run out the get um, the full 90 minutes. So um, if they can't, if they still start to struggle late on in the game and they're not giving that burst of energy when you're trying to chase the winner or, or an equaliser or they start to tire and they don't drop back, then it can, you know, lead to 
pretty bad consequences in the uh, context of the match. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the way we tried to tackle that last season was to bring in players who could be a bit flexible in that in one sub we could change from being a 3-5-2 to a 4-4-2 quite easily by moving one of the wing-backs up onto the wing uh, and dropping the other back as a permanent uh, full-back. Um, but as you say, that's so difficult to have players that can actually transition from those two roles because they are quite different, as I think we're, we're saying. Um, but it was, a, it was a good first topic. We've, we've all agreed on, on the, um, the role of the wing-backs, I suppose. So we might... Now, move on to uh, closing up with previews for each of the games for the weekend. We'll just run through the, the main ones, I think, um, of interest. So we might start with the Chelsea game against Leicester. Uh, how do you guys see that one playing out? Chelsea, 5-0. <laughs> Jose's going to get them. Chelsea five. Yeah, it's at the bridge. Yeah, I've in their sort of form. It's pretty ominous for Leicester, even though they did quite well on the weekend. So... Um, it's just Chelsea, they're just, they're gonna want yeah. to put a stamp as soon as possible, and Jose's gonna get them going for the kill. I just, I really like the look of this Fabregas Costa um, partnership, as we were talking before, one of, the, one of the assists for the season already, and could well end up being the assist for the season was Fabregas is to Sherlock, but um, just Fabregas in general, and, and Costa's work rate throughout the game, to, yeah, as you say, they just look so impressive. Yeah, I think Fabregas has sort of been brought in to sort of really control their Midfield tempo, I think. So um, he's certainly a guy that you'd want pulling the strings in the midfield. And um, if he can sort of get back to that form that he had for um, Arsenal before he left for Barcelona, um, or going on that his one performance to date, but uh, it certainly looks like he hasn't missed a beat. So yeah, um, he could, right back in. Yeah, very influential signing for Chelsea's um, aspirations for the title. Uh, and, and your own Newcastle are playing Villa in the early game, which should be. A welcome relief for you after the, what was it, uh, 1.30am yeah. on the Sunday last week? Yeah, I'm certainly still feeling it, actually. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I think the 9.45 on the Saturday, mo- um, after Saturday night uh, is certainly something that I'll be uh, relishing. So. And at this time of year, um, it's a great game because it's you know, you've know got the AFL leading right into it, so it's... Um, a nice little run through. Yeah, exactly right. Um, I'll be sort of excited to see our other big signing, uh, CM Diong, uh, hopefully making his debut this week. Um, he missed the City game with a slight injury, and uh, we'll probably also get Tiare back as well. So um, those two probably give us a nice boost in the uh, middle of the park, and Diong probably at set pieces as well. So fingers crossed we might be able to push Villa and get a win. Yeah, I mean, I could see you guys probably taking a 2-0 or a 2-1 win, I reckon. Philip did look pretty good against Stoke, but you guys are, <laughs> with no disrespect to Stoke, I think you guys are uh, cut above Stoke. <laughs> and Cookson, yeah, what are your thoughts? Well, I'll probably expect Newcastle to win 3-0. I mean, I'll back a Frenchman to score. <laughs> That's just probably common sense with a Newcastle game. But, yeah, it's just, well, they're just probably better than Aston Villa, really. Yeah. But well, then again, anything can happen. Yeah, Villa, Villa did have a few surprises last season. They seemed to, to win the games that they weren't expected to and they lost the games that they should have. Uh, so it will be an interesting one. Um, the big one Saturday night uh, is Everton against Arsenal. Had a few interesting games between those sides last season. Uh, Everton at home. Um, this, yeah, I mean, this one's a pretty hard one to call, I reckon. I'm going to go Everton 2-1. Two, 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 yeah? I reckon because Lukaku is 
Well, it's a physical-based. I mean, Arsenal... Say what you want about Arsenal, but they do not like physicality. Yeah. I mean, but I just expect Everton to want to be able to turn it... Not turn it into a kick like Stoke City under Pulis, but just get get a bit stuck in and just impose themselves. And that's why I reckon I'll win. Yeah, and UFC? Yeah, well, that's... Um, sort of looking at the fixtures, I'd probably say that's the, uh, probably the highlight of the, um, Saturday night game, so, yeah. um, I think it possibly a draw, um, I mean, both teams, well, Everton certainly can, uh, definitely beat Arsenal on their day, and Arsenal have a lot of quality themselves, so, I think, had the game been at the Everett, at the Emirates, I'd probably lean towards Arsenal, but because it's at, um, Goodison, I'll, sit more on the fence and say a, a draw. Yeah, I think I'm with you guys. It's pretty 50-50, but I'll give Everton the slight edge because it's at home. Um, I think the Germans are coming back into the side for Arsenal, which could be uh, interesting, like Ozil and Motosaka, to see how they, um, and Badolski presumably as well, to see how they lift the side. But I think Coleman might bid you back for Everton as well. So he um, had a pretty good couple of games against Arsenal last year, so... I might go Everton 2-1 as well with Cookson. Um, of the Sunday night games, we've got my boys up nice and early against Stoke, which um, understandably I don't think anyone else is going to be too thrilled by, so I won't say too much about it. It's <laughs> just after our Europe game, so it'll be interesting to see how we back up. Uh, the only thing I'll say is uh, Andy Robertson had a fantastic debut against QPR. I, I went on about him a little bit in pre-season about how, how brilliant he is, and uh, goal line clearance against QPR and, and whipped in a few pretty decent crosses to to um, Jelovic. And he's only 20 as well, which is pretty impressive. So if if anyone's looking for a reason to watch the Stoke-Hull Stoke City clash, that's that's one I'd give them. But uh, no, I don't think there's too much too many highlights out of this one, I don't think. Maybe maybe a 1-0 or 2 nil win to one of the sides. But it's another one that you can't really, can't really pick a winner out of, really. Don't know. You never know what Bojan can do. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, Bojan, you know, could pull one out of out of nowhere. We're the sort of side that players seem to like to um, announce themselves against, so I'd, I'm hoping he waits another week before he does that. Wait up, let's see when's that on. That's on at 10.30 on the Sunday night. That's a pretty good time slot, actually, as well. <laughs> so it's, it's not too bad, thankfully. On at the same yeah. time as Spurs against QPR, which is a nice early London derby for QPR to welcome them back to the Premier League. Uh, how do we see Spurs backing up after their narrow win against West Ham? Two London derbies in a row, actually, for Spurs. Well, it's probably... Yeah. I'll probably say Spurs will win, really. Do we give QPR I mean, any chance, really? I mean, Spurs only narrowly got over a 10-man West Ham. Uh, it's Spurs, though. I mean, you can't predict Spurs. They're like... They're the North Melbourne of <laughs> soccer, pretty much, or football. You just never know of them. I mean, they could... Realistically, they could probably destroy QPR... That they could probably lose embarrassingly 1-0. So I'm probably going to go for just a nice, normal 2-0 victory. Everything's stock standard, surprisingly. And UFC? Uh, yeah, I suppose on paper you'd expect uh, Tottenham to um, to get the chocolates there. Um, were they going to appeal Norton's uh, red cards? I think I saw they were going to at least try and appeal it. Um I'm not sure if they have a right back because I think uh, is it Walker? Is their first choice right back? I think he's uh, injured at the moment. You might be right. Yep. Yeah. So it looks like they're going to appeal the red card. Um, so I guess the outcome of that will be interesting for Spurs fans. Yeah, and um, I think QPR actually have 
a reasonable squad on paper, and um, I I didn't see their game, so you'd probably have a better idea than myself, SM. But yeah. I think defensively they were quite sound from. Most and Remy, Remy looked very, very impressive up forward for them, I must say. Uh, and I think they've yeah, got well, Isla coming in once his work permit clears as well. Yeah, um, Remy up front um, on his day is a striker who can you know, trouble almost any defence. So um, if QP are up for the clash, they might um, be able to get something from the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the, the, the late game for the Sunday, your mob, Cookson, hopefully getting a win and getting off... Um, off the board is United <laughs> against Sunderland. Um, yes, you re- I mean, you'd hope that you can beat Sunderland, wouldn't you? I think I we would, all agree yeah. on that one. Yeah, but Louis Van Hals has started out slow at clubs before, so we could very realistically lose this game. But hopefully, what Surely I expect. Not two from, on the trot. Yeah, I don't know, but what I want this team to be: goalkeeper De Gea, left back Antonio Valencia, centre back have Smalling next to Rojo, then have Rhys James. Left back, midfield, have Herrera and Fletcher. Easy, that's a solid back six, I would say. Up front, for God's sakes, put Yanazai on a wing, put Manta at number 10. I don't know who you can put on the left wing, just put really anyone, not called Ashley Young. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but up front, Rooney, it just, hopefully we can win, just get off to a good start, do the basics well, get Van Hal's system flowing, and hopefully the results can speak for themselves. And um, also, if you want, can you sign Di Maria in the next 48 <laughs> hours? That would be fantastic, too. Not asking for too much there, are you? I'm just asking for Di Maria. <laughs> you know, 100 million total. What, what, what do you reckon uh, for the score in UFC? 6 7 nil to United? <laughs> I think that's being a bit modest there. Being a bit modest? <laughs> Double figures? <laughs> well, um, I can hope so yeah. as much. <laughs> I'll certainly be hoping uh, Cookson's boys uh, can torch the Mackens. So uh, um, I think Sunderland had a draw with West Brom away, I think, yeah, on the opening. So, uh, yeah, I guess it's a bit hard to read into their form. I think one of their goals was from Clattermole, which was a bit I of a fluke. I can't believe that, yeah. Of all players, the score is Yeah, I think it's only his like, second or third goal for the, yeah, the club. Like so... <laughs> I suppose it's not a bad goal to score if you're not going to score too many in your career. see what his, uh, his goals to red card ratio would be, because it would be pretty pretty high, I reckon. <laughs> well, there you go, that's yes, pop sir. quiz for the week. What's that? That could be our pop quiz for the week. Yeah. Guess the ratio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and the final game, which is, you know, not saying, last but not least by any means, is, is Man City against Liverpool, the two title contenders from last season, squaring off in, in round two. Um we see goals in this game. I see Steven Gerrard getting a lot of shit for an Oh, man, that's going to be <laughs> brilliant, isn't it? That's going to be brilliant just to see what they come up with. <laughs> um, but, I mean, they both started quite well. I mean, Liverpool looked a little bit shaky against Southampton, but they settled towards the end and they didn't look too bad. City looked pretty impressive against Newcastle and their players will be better for the run. I mean, they've had pretty limited pre-seasons because of the World Cup. Uh, it's a bit early, I think. I, I mean, you can't really read too much into the result for this game, I don't think, in terms of the title race. Um, but it'll still be an interesting one to watch, I suspect. Yeah, I suspect Man City will win probably. I think it's going to be a very scrappy, engaging game. Because, as we know, Liverpool were a high-scoring team last year, except their defence was, again, quite leaky. So I expect Rodgers, because last time they, they went attack and it backfired 
big time against Chelsea and that. So I reckon against title contenders, Rodgers is going to go on the defensive. He'll be yeah. slower. They'll be more deliberate about it. So I reckon it'll be 1-0. And I reckon the word slip will be said in that game approximately, let's call it a thousand times at least. <laughs> uh. If City, if City um, take the lead and then lose the game to Liverpool, you can guarantee there'll be a lot of headlines about City letting the game slip, I think, from particularly from Merseyside newspapers, I suspect, as getting a little bit of revenge. And vice versa, obviously, yep. if Liverpool take the lead and then lose it, the predictable worldwide headlines will be about them letting the game slip. Um, <laughs> you get a score, score prediction from each of you? I said 1-0. 1-0? And then UFC? Yeah, I'd probably lean towards a scrappy, maybe a one or maybe 2-1 result uh, in favour of City. Um, be interested to see if um, Mangala, their new centre-back, uh, yeah. makes his debut. Um, was there a, a reason he didn't play last year? Was it just in terms of match fit? Um, yeah, he wasn't quite match fit. So, yeah. um, uh, didn't I he think, get transferred like yeah, right so before the game day? Might have been something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was only a couple of days or something before the game. So um, now he's had about a week, I guess, to settle in and... Um, Although I guess Liverpool is not exactly a, an easy game to have your debut against, so um, it'll be interesting to see if they give him the nod or if they maybe hold off and look for a team that's not so dangerous in attack. Yeah, um, I'll probably go with a 2-1 Man City win as well, um, along with NUFC. Uh, any final thoughts for you boys before we head off? I think uh, we've covered a bit of the transfer news already. Um, the interesting one I did want to touch on very, very quickly, is the breaking news that Barcelona has been basically banned from two transfer windows as of two weeks' time, which I found very strange and very, very FIFA, that Barcelona basically lost their appeal. But, oh, whilst they were appealing, it was fine. They signed Suarez conveniently and and whoever else they've managed to to grab. Uh, But the transfer embargo is going to take place from two weeks' time. It doesn't seem to make too much sense to me, but I don't don't know. What do you guys think? What? Pretty obvious, really. I mean, yeah, it's just, but they didn't want to risk Barcelona being crap. And despite being given a gimme of a lifetime, they still didn't sign a decent centre back, so they're still quite <laughs> stupid. But... For Milan, for Milan, step up. <laughs> was that their yeah, appeal, just... uh, that was rejected? Yeah, so the appeal was rejected today, I think. Oh, okay. So they can't appeal it again? No, I don't think so. Oh, oh okay. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if they, you know, try and push a few signings in before that uh, ban takes place. Then I guess. Yeah, we'll be. Watch, wrong. watch youth team is to suddenly increase to a very suspicious. The youth team at Barcelona. Yeah, because that's what got them in trouble in the first place. All this thing. Yeah. Well. No, so yeah, exactly. expect some youth team is to show up who aren't exactly <laughs> legit. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it will be interesting. Uh, a bit of a watch this space, I suppose, for Barcelona. Uh, any any other final thoughts, boys? Just quickly. Apparently, Ramos and Falcao on the move to either Real or potentially any any chance that he's going to Liverpool to fill Liverpool supporters' heads with false hope. Any chance of that at all? Do we see or just off to Real? No. Just off to Real. He's- He's off to Real. Remember, he's owned by the third party, and let's be honest, you're a third party. You're in South America. Who's do you think's bigger, Liverpool or Real Madrid? Yeah, it's not much of a choice. It's going to Madrid. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, I think we'll we'll wrap up for the night. It's been a little bit longer than uh, the previous week, but that's okay. We've had 
a whole bunch of matches to talk about, which has been pretty good. It's good to have football back. Uh, so we'll, we'll do it all again this time next week. So thanks very much, boys, for coming on. No worries. And thank, you everyone, every, thank you, everyone, for uh, listening all the way to the end. And we'll see you on the forums.